Today's video was recorded on April 26, 2022, and this is the 14th in our series through the book of Exodus. Now we're at the point in our study when God divides the Red Sea for the Israelites to cross through and become a new nation. Now there are many ways to approach the topic of the Red Sea crossing, but what I wanted to do was show you a view that's more on the mystical side of our faith, that is, both within mystical Judaism and Christianity. And this can help us understand a spiritual pattern that exists within God's cosmos. The Red Sea crossing exists within a larger water motif that we find throughout Scripture. So at moments of creation or transformation, and that's from Genesis to Jesus to our modern sacrament of baptism, we find a similar pattern of events that includes the dividing of chaotic waters. And what's amazing about this pattern is that we can also apply it to our own lives. So as we travel on our own paths of spiritual growth, we're going to encounter moments of transformation. So transformation is not easy and can feel quite chaotic as you're letting go of one thing in order to grasp or take hold of the next level. So this moment of chaos is similar to something you'll find in a High Ropes Confidence course. There will be a point where in order to grab onto the next handhold, you have to fully release what you're holding onto. And for a brief moment, you're free and feel out of control. And the point of this exercise, of course, is to help you gain the confidence to let go of those things in our lives that we just need to get rid of so that we can reach forward in order to grow, in order to transform onto the next stage we need to release something from the past. And that moment of chaos is represented by the chaotic waters that we find in the Bible. So in this video, we're going to walk through the scripture that shows this ongoing motif. And then we're going to discuss what it means to help us understand our own spiritual growth journey. So we hope you enjoyed today's lesson on the dividing of the Red Sea, which is set in that larger motif of the dividing of chaotic waters. Okay, so I I don't know what I... I changed my mind on what I wanted to call this. So I think on your sheet, I called it through the sea, which is really what they're doing. They're going through the Red Sea. But what I want to focus on is this... There's a, a motif that that goes throughout the Bible, and it's about the dividing of the waters and new creation, being reborn, or as we're going to see in Exodus here, it's the birth of a nation. And the Bible, uh, every time there's a creation event, it starts with the chaotic waters, the chaotic waters are divided, and out of that comes order. And it's a really cool uh, motif that exists, and we'll talk a little bit about this, on the mystical side of our faith, because it all happens somewhere way up in the mystical spaces. So it does get a little bit in the mystical side, but I think once you see the pattern, you say, oh, wow, that's, there's obviously something going on here with the pattern. So it has to do with that dividing the waters. And today's, the picture I found, really dramatic scene. This is, you know, 
it's a Russian painter, and boy, you know, Russian literature and the drama that comes out of Russia. I, I'm going to mess up his name, and I apologize, but so his name, Ivan Avzovsky, and this was painted somewhere around 1891, called The Passage of the Jews Through the Red Sea, but a very dramatic event. Obviously, you've, uh, you've lived in Egypt your entire life. You don't, well, maybe they swam, but probably not. The next thing you know, you're walking through water. I mean, you can't even imagine what a terrifying event this must have been as God is leading them. Sometimes we just read the passage like, oh, they just willy-nilly went through the water, but boy, it had to be um, a terrifying event as it's going on. Plus, you have the Egyptian army chasing you. So that's, you know, makes it even more exciting. This is our 14th episode through the book of Exodus, and we are in chapter 14 of Exodus, is where we'll finally read Exodus. And again, I'm calling it the dividing of the waters, because as we'll see, we're going to just going to focus on this water motif, and then how this, um, it's in the spiritual world, or I'm sorry, in our spiritual growth path, there are mystical elements, and the mystical elements, we find them repeating. And that's exactly what we see in the Bible, and I think that we can carry this uh, repetition even into our own lives, as you'll keenly be aware that baptism is something that's going to be coming out of this. So I want to start, we've talked a few times about Exodus as a spiritual journey. So I thought about, you know, there's, there's a number of different ways to look at this Red Sea crossing. Where did it happen geographically? What's the evidence uh, that people speculate is there? And there's some amazing shows out there that have documented all of this. And you can find them on Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of those, probably on YouTube. Um, so instead of trying to look at anything historical... I wanted to look at it at the spiritual and mystical level. So the first thing I want to do is, Bonnie asked me this morning, she said, well, what's the difference between spiritual and mystical in the way that I'm thinking about it? Because people use these words differently. So I just wanted to go over real quick what, I'm, what I mean by this. And because when we've gone through this book of Exodus, I have tried to point out that it's such an amazing book because we can look at the historical events for the nation of Israel, but at the same time, you take that metaphor out and apply it to our own lives. And that's a, I mean, obviously it's the word of God. And so what you can do is extract the metaphor and it fits. So we've done this one before, that you can study Exodus on two levels. You could say, well, historically, and oh, by the way, this is not on your sheet, and I apologize, it's a little bit of introduction. So you can say, hey, look, we can study the historical nature. The Israelites were enslaved to the pharaohs in Egypt, and we went through all the ten plagues, and then eventually you have the Passover lamb and the blood on the door, and there's the symbolism that goes into that that's, that's going to be part of the redemption of the world. You have the water event that's happening, and so that's a historical event. And then what we see, they go to the mountain, 
they receive the commandments, they build the tabernacle, and then God dwells with the people. That's all in the historical physical. And we read that about them that happened over there. But, you know, the rabbis teach when you go to a Passover, you, you celebrate that Passover as if it's you as a slave in Egypt. That you are the one that's being redeemed through the blood of the Lamb. So that uh, I, sp- I spoke one time, speaking to a rabbi one time, and I, we were talking about salvation, and he said, read the book of Exodus. And then he said, and it's always repeating. Now, he was in the more on the side of Judaism that's more in the mystical side, but he was like, it's always repeating in the world. As you grow spiritually, you're going through this process, and Exodus is spelling out that process. So, in our own walk, we are slaves to sin. We are delivered by the Lamb. Jesus is our Lamb, the Lamb of God. We go through a watery event, and we come out on the other side, a new creation. The, uh, the spiritual nature of baptism is very powerful. So we have a water event. And then the whole goal, as we've mentioned, is the dwelling of God here and now. The intimate dwelling, uh, that's Acts of the uh, Acts chapter 2, with the Spirit settling on the believers, they become now the tabernacle, the place where the presence of God lives. So, since we started with all of this, I thought, well, let's stay in in my little uh, lane of talking about it spiritually, and we'll talk about this crossing of the Red Sea in a spiritual way. So, you can do the historical, you can also take it and do the spiritual, which is pretty amazing. Now, when I use the word spiritual, you are all spiritual beings, yes? Instead of being an earthly being, having a spiritual uh, experience, you're a spiritual being having an earthly experience. Because God, uh, however God does this, imparts our spirit when we're conceived, and one day when when we leave our body, our spirit remains and we go out into uh, to heaven. So we are spiritual beings. Then when we experience God, this is our own individual experience with God. That's where I'm going to use the term mystical. So the mystical is anytime we experience God and you can't really explain it, but you can't put your finger on it, but you know it was God. Uh, and you're kind of like, wow, you know, you, you, we have a very difficult time explaining some of these, uh, our interactions with God. So mystical nature means it's something up in the spiritual realm, but it's the way that we experience God. So again, I apologize. I didn't put this on your sheet, but I'm just going to show you uh, on the screen and I'll read it. This is just if you go to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary and you say, what's the definition of mystical? because that's what we're looking at right now, something that's mystical. The first thing they say is, it's having a spiritual meaning or reality that is neither apparent to the senses nor obvious to the intelligence. You know, people, people who don't know God can't understand those that do. It's not apparent to the senses or their intelligence. Why would you do this? because it's in the mystical, and we experience in, in the mystical. The example they give 
is something like the Eucharist. And throughout Christian history, the Eucharist has been the element of mystery. How does the bread and the, the wine become the body and the blood? And even today, when we have that communion, and there's something mystical about that sacrament, that you can feel it. So it doesn't really make sense, but you know that there's something happening. And I'm sure you've felt that on a Sunday when you've done that. And, and, and it's, it's, it's one of those, it's a mystical thing. You can't really describe it or put your finger on it. So that's one, is that there's, it's something that's out there. The second one, the second, the B, is involving or having the nature of an individual's subjective communion with God. So we all know that the, the communion, there's something mystical about it. Um, even a baptism is a mystical event because we have our own subjective experience with it. And that subjective experience of getting closer to God is something that's very hard to describe. And it's something that we all know that it happens, but it happens to us kind of as individuals. So my experience might not be exactly as yours. Okay, what's the whole point? The point is, when we talk about this pattern that's going to flow through the Bible, it's towards the mystical side. Um, it takes a little contemplation. It's helpful to have some contemplation about the pattern to where you allow God to give you the insights. Oh, where you can start to see the pattern happening in real life. So that's what I mean about when I use the term mystical or it's on the mystical side of our faith. Um, one example of something mystical that we've talked about before is the transfiguration of Jesus. And the metaphor that the Bible uses for spiritual growth and a mystical experience is a mountain. So that's a Mount Hermon in the background that's in Israel. Mount Hermon means sacred, so it's a sacred mountain. And you can take that idea of a mountain and overlay this, what we would talk about, a, uh, a spiritual journey. So just like if you're walking up a mountain, you're going to have levels of awareness as you go up the mountain. Even if you walk up, say, Mount Cowles there in San Diego, every once in a while you turn around and your perspective changes. Your, the, what you can see, your vision, you can suddenly see more than you could before. That's just like a spiritual journey. So where's the mystical? Well, it's up. So what we want to do is you want to take the journey upward. So all of us start at the bottom. You have experiences with God, and it causes you to ascend through the next level. You see the world a little bit differently. Then as you grow and mature, you ascend again through the next level. And in all of these cases with the mystical is that as you go up through each level, as you're growing spiritually and you're maturing, there's two things that people describe. One is that everything is more real in the mystical, meaning you thought everything was real till suddenly you see it differently and you go, oh, that's even more real. It's like getting in touch with reality in a, in a deeper way. At the same time, it's ineffable. It's very difficult to describe. 
So the mystical is more real when you're seeing it because you're experiencing this, but at the same time, very difficult to describe. So those are the kind of the, the two halves of, of anything mystical. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to ascend up to in, into the mystical, and we're going to look at this pattern. And then what we want to do is be able to overlay that pattern with our own lives and, um, and understand our own spiritual journey. So, okay, just a little bit about spiritual journey and mystical. So, the dividing of the waters. It's part of a, of a mystical motif that has to do with water at times of transformation or um, a new creation. Okay, so now I'm finally, that was all introduction. Now I'm finally back on the sheet. So, number two. We're at the point where they're going to go through the Red Sea, and there's... I mean, it's so much we could talk about, but we want to move on. We gotta, we're going to move along and try to hit the highlights. But, of course, the Red Sea, you have to talk about this. But the Red Sea crossing here in, in Exodus, which is chapter 14, is part of a much larger water motif that's in the Bible. And again, like I said, I think you'll be able to see the sacrament of baptism comes directly. It's related to this as you're going through the chaotic waters and you're transformed uh, through the waters. It's something that flows through the Bible. So, for instance, the Bible begins with water. I'll show you that in a minute in Genesis. These water motifs show up at points of transformation. So there's something transforming, or I'll show you in a minute, new creation that comes out of it. Now, there's two things we need to know about water. You'll see them show up here in the text. The first one is water, in, to the ancient mind, represents chaos. So it's the chaotic waters at the beginning. It's the chaotic waters of the Jordan River. And if we think about our own lives, it's these chaotic moments where spiritual growth becomes uh, the most powerful. So it's chaos. At the same time, though, there's always a pearl of, of uh, potential inside of that chaos, a little nugget of potential. That when, um, you know, we tend to think, we, when something bad happens to us, we tend to think we only focus on the bad. But there's always something to be learned inside of that. And there's potential for growth in every situation. So there's always a nugget for potential. In fact, out of the chaos, the earth is created. So there's tremendous potential there. And it shows up at moments of new creation. So um, I know these two, chaos and potential, seem to be uh, antithetical. But really, if you, once you, if you think about, if you contemplate water enough, you'll say, ah, all of life is born out of water. Uh, at the same time, water can kill you. So it's kind of like you're, uh, the paradox of water. So, okay, we see these, these water events. At the same time, we see these repeating patterns. This is number three. And within the mystical side of both Christianity and Judaism, they're always looking for the spiritual patterns. That as, you, as all of us go and have these experiences, as we get closer to God, it may be unique to each of our own experience, but at the same time, you'll start picking up similarities, patterns in the way that the God created the cosmos. So you're going to see it repeated, and it's important 
that even as I mentioned, the, the rabbi that I talked to about ex- his, his comment that Exodus is always repeating itself seems very strange at first till you focus on how spiritual growth works, and then you say, ah, I know what, it mean, what he means by that. So, for instance, let me give you one example of spiritual growth. If you look up spiritual growth, like a metaphor for spiritual growth, one of them that you'll get is something called a chambered nautilus. So a chambered nautilus is a little creature that lives in the ocean. And when the, when the shell of the chambered nautilus grows, he keeps moving to outer chambers as, the, as he grows more, but it grows in a spiral. And so you, could, you can see right there that a growth pattern is almost like a spiral. You're always passing by the same places, but you're passing by them a different, little bit differently as you grow. So this is a great uh, metaphor for a spiritual growth path, never in a straight line like we'd like it, you know, always in a somehow in a little bit of a spiral, which we get frustrated with because we feel like sometimes we're going backwards when we're really not. We're growing, but we're going through a little bit of chaos. So that's just another example of... Um, how things repeat, but repeat in different ways, because you're like in a spiral. So those repeating patterns exist, and now we're going to go look at this repeating pattern that has to do with water. So you can do one of two things. If you want to turn to Genesis 1, that the first place we're going to be is Genesis, because this is where the pattern is established in Genesis 1. When I do the, the next few patterns, I'm going to go through them fairly quickly because we just don't have time, but uh, you'll see as you get the one pattern, you'll, you'll see how it flows through to the other ones. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn to Genesis 1, this is where it all starts. And as I mentioned, the, the Bible begins with the watery chaos. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, verse 2, and the earth was formless and void. It's the chaos of the deep. It's uh, unstructured. It's chaotic, right? That's how we, that's how this place started. And there was this huge transformational event that then uh, creation comes out of that. So if we look at Genesis 1, chapter 1, it begins with watery chaos, which is also potential. It's the formless and empty And then it says the Spirit of God was moving over the water or the deep. And one thing to note, because as the context of this changes, uh, your English will change. In Genesis 1, it says the Spirit of God was moving on the waters. But the word for Spirit, ruach, can also mean wind. The wind of God was moving on the waters. Same word. And so when we get to the Exodus part, and it says, and the wind divided the waters, it's the Spirit, it's Ruach, it's that word. They just use the English uh, wind. So if we look at Genesis 1, verse 2, it says this, Now the earth was formless and empty. That's the chaotic in Hebrew, tohu vavohu. It's the unstructured chaos that God is going to put some order to. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, the the tahom in Hebrew. It's the deep waters. 
and the Spirit of God, so we have the Spirit of God, the Ruach or the wind of God, was hovering or moving over the waters. So that's how our Bible starts. It starts with the chaotic waters. And one thing to note, very important, that's going to come back when we get to the end here, is that word hovering. Some of your Bibles say hovering, some say moving, and the Spirit of God was was moving across the water, it was hovering. Whatever your Bible says, the word in Hebrew is uh, when a bird comes into land, so a bird comes into land, it begins to flap its wings in a, in a high uh, frequency in order to arrest its descent and land. Some Bibles say the Spirit of God was fluttering above the waters. Now, let me, instead of trying to describe it, let me show you a little video here, because it's much better seen than, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? So, this is what the word in Hebrew means. It's what you see this bird doing right here. So, a dove has to arrest its descent, and those flapping of the wings in order to arrest the descent and land is what the Hebrew word means. Now, let me just play that one more time. It's very descriptive. The spirit is like the dove that's hovering over the waters. That's what the word means. Okay, so let's go on. There's the water, there's the spirit or wind. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit hovered and moved above the waters, and then God speaks. And when God speaks, boom, the chaotic waters are then divided. That's verse 6. And the way it happens is, God speaking, some water goes up, some water goes down, and when that happens, now order can manifest. So we've got, um, if you look at verse 6 and 7, so it says, And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God is dividing the chaos, and when you divide the chaos, order breaks out. So God made a vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and so it was so. Okay? so water. Spirit, God speaks, water's divided. Because the chaos is divided, order can break out. There's a new creation. That's what we read in Genesis 1 and 2. But, unfortunately, as we know the story goes, our, um, our ancestors, Adam and Eve, became tempted. So temptation enters the scene, Genesis chapter 3, and they sin. And when they do, the whole ordered world that God had created descends back into chaos. Okay, that, those seven steps are going to now repeat themselves going forward through the Bible. It starts with water, the wind, the, the spirit or the wind of God. God is speaking, water divided, a new creation, something's being birthed. Of course, you're going to face temptation and, unfortunately, sin, and then chaos ensues. So, now that you've got that picture, 
I'm going to go quickly through um, the next two, which is Noah and Exodus. Okay? So if we get to the Noah story, this is now number five on the front of your sheet, you find, well, what do we find in the Noah story? We find water, right? And actually, what's really uh, important to recognize about the Noah story is just like in the beginning, when God separated the water, some went up and some went down, the Noah story begins, chapter 7, says that the water came down from above and it came up from underneath. So it's not, what the Bible is showing us is, it's not just a flood that there was rain that came down, it's a decreation event. God is reversing what he did, the chaos from above and the chaos from below. It's a decreation event in the minds of the ancient person. But we find that, that the chaotic waters of the flood. But then what happens? Then God says, hey, look, I'm going to send my spirit. And your Bible says wind. But the word is same word for spirit, ruach. A wind shows up. We have God speaking, of course. There's, there's conversation with Noah. The waters are divided. And when the waters divide of the flood, we end up, number five, with a new creation. So you can see in the Noah story, everything's repeating. So God says to Noah, look, now that we've got a new creation, I want you to go populate the earth. He repeats the command to be fruitful and multiply. But what happens? Noah builds a, a vineyard. Temptation sets in. He drinks a little bit too much wine. And the next thing you know, the world has fallen into sin again. One of his sons is now being banished. So we've moved through the same thing. It's a recreation event with Noah. Okay, so that's two of them. Then, number six, if you go to the, uh, the back of your sheet, now we've made it up to the Exodus, right? Because the Exodus is another dawning of a new, it's a dawning of a new creation in a way. It's now the creation of a nation. We noted a few weeks ago, when we looked at the birth story of, no, of Moses, excuse me, the birth story of Moses, that is telling the story. It's the dawn of it's a new generation. New things are happening. And the way that they do it, this was a few weeks ago, so the language that's used about Moses and his birth reflects Genesis 1. So Moses' mother saw and was good, just like God saw and called it good. Then, after he's born, he's placed in an ark. Our Bible says basket, but it's the same word for ark. And he's delivered through the chaotic waters of the Nile. So you can see that the way that the story is being told is reflecting Genesis and the dawning of a new era with the birth of Moses. Okay? Then, of course, you go through the ten plagues, the Passover event, and now we're at this dramatic scene by the Red Sea. And what do we find again? Well, we find the same water motif. This time, though, it's the Red Sea. So we have water in front of us. Exodus 14. In this case, if you want to turn to Exodus 14, this one you'll want to note since we're going through Exodus. So they're pushed up against the Red Sea. 
the watery chaos. Then what we're going to see is that the wind of God, God sends the wind, but the word there is ruach, spirit. He's going to send the wind. God is speaking to Moses. Moses, stretch out your hand or the staff. And what happens to the water? The water's divided. So the same thing is happening that uh, at, than it was at creation. So if we look at, look down if you have your Bible open to Exodus 14, verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all night long the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind. Ruach, that spirit. So God's spirit was moving over the waters. What did it do? It turned it into dry land and the waters were divided. So once again, we see the same thing happening there. And then, of course, who knows exactly what it looked like. Here's an artist's rendering of that, where you get the cleaving of the waters, the dividing that is going to, as you go through those waters, what's going to happen? Well, we're going to become a new creation, a new nation on the other side. Now, as a new creation on the other side of those waters, how did they do? How long does it take before temptation sets in, right? You just saw all this amazing stuff from God, right? I mean, you saw it with your own eyes. You experienced this amazing stuff as soon as they get over to the other side. It's like grumble, grumble, grumble. Moses goes up on a mountain. They think he's gone too long. They don't have the, as we'll see in a few weeks, they don't have the proper character development to see through not devolving back into idol worship. So they're tempted, they descend into sin, this is the golden calf, and right, we're back into this whole chaos thing. So we see the same thing repeated. Okay, so that's our, this is where, the, this is what I mean, the Exodus event fits inside of a much bigger motif. Now, it happens one more time before we get to the, to the ultimate one, but this is the, the book of Joshua, and I'm just going to go through it real quick, because at the beginning of their, ex, or their, their time in the wandering in the wilderness, there's a water event. That's the, the crossing of the Red Sea. When they end their time in the wilderness, there's another water event. That's Joshua 3. And what do we find? We, we find the same characteristics. There's the watery chaos of the Jordan River, and it's very important to note, Joshua 3.15, that it's at flood stage. It's springtime. You're not going to cross that river in which it's at flood stage. We have the Spirit of God. It's hovering right above the tabernacle. God's going to speak. He's going to say, you're going to go step into the water, right? And the coolest part to this is right here, what causes the water to divide? Well, it's all God. I get that. But it's now a partnership because God says, look, you got to step in first. Then I'll divide the water. You've walked with me long enough. You've been with me 40 years. You know what I can do and what type of God I am. So now you have to step into the deep water. And once you do, and this is how we live our lives with God, you have to take a step of faith into that deep water. It looks chaotic. And then God divides the water in front of you. Your feet land on, on dry ground. 
So it's very cool how God is at first doing all the work, but then bringing them in as partners in this. Okay, they cross through the Jordan. What do we have? We have a new creation. What are the first thing they do as a new nation? They celebrate Passover. Of course you do. We're going to recommit ourselves. Of course, it doesn't take long. Temptation sets in. There's the uh, sin of, of the temptation in Joshua 7 and the sin of Achan, and everything now goes back to chaos. Okay, so you can see the pattern happening. Now, here's the, this is the key for us in our worship of Jesus, is that we're ultimately going to move forward because Jesus is going to have something happen very similar somewhere very near where the Joshua and those Israelites crossed the Jordan River. Here it is, somewhere near this. This is the Jordan River, just north of the Dead Sea. Doesn't look too chaotic. You know, it's not like uh, the Mississippi or something, but it represents that chaos of water. And what does Jesus do? He descends and enters the chaos. This is so important. It's a symbolic entering of the chaos, just like it was at creation. And Jesus is going to enter the chaos to be with us in the chaos. So now if you turn to Mark, because it's so, you have to read it in Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, the story of Jesus' baptism. And now that we've gone through this, this story takes on a whole new meaning. There's a new creation happening. So Mark starts out, verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. He was baptized by John in the Jordan. Then, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, so he's, he's in that chaotic water. He entered the chaos of the human race. God descended into a man to come into the chaos with us. Not just to launch us out of here one day, but to walk in the chaos with us. So he's in the water. Now look what it says. This is so amazing. And the Spirit descending on him like a dove, right? So you have the Spirit. It descends. Just like at creation, it's the same metaphor. This is the picture when we depict the dove descending. It comes out of that Hebrew word in Genesis 1. Same thing. So the Spirit descends on him like a dove. Does God speak? Yes, he does. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The same thing is happening. So if we go back to our little chart, he enters the chaos of the human existence. It's represented by that Jordan River. The spirit, the Ruach, descends like a dove, just like at creation. God speaks, this is my son. And boom, out of that, up out of those waters comes Jesus. And the chaos that ensued after Adam and Eve sinned, starts to be put back into order. And Jesus is leading the way and putting that back to order. So we have a new creation coming out in Jesus. Now what's next on the list? Number six. 
temptation. And this is where, you know, some sometimes people think, oh, you're just, you're reading too much into it. No way. Look at the very next verse. Verse 12, right? So verse 12, what's it say? At once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness. Very next verse. So the wilderness, just like Exodus, the Spirit leads them into wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days. 40 is a time of testing, just like the Exodus. And what was happening to Jesus during that time? Temptation. Now, the best part of the story, where's the victory in all of this, right? Final, sin. Is there any sin in Jesus? No sin. So the cycle that had started with Adam and Eve is now being broken. So that we, in the power of Jesus, with the, whole, the help of the Holy Spirit and the community around us of believers, we can come and begin to start putting order back into the chaos of the world around us. And it helps launch us out on, into that. Okay, that's the Bible. That's what the Bible shows us in this pattern, this water motif. And Exodus is just one slice of that. And what's really important then, and this gets to the more mystical part, is that this is happening with us, right? We have a, it's a pattern for spiritual growth. Every time you want to learn something new, every time you grow, you go through a period of chaos. And then God divides the chaos through the power of his Holy Spirit. God speaks into our lives. We end up on solid ground, and then we're renewed, and we we move forward, right? Now, it doesn't take long before things grow old and we can fall back into our own, uh, our old ways. But the point is, this becomes a type of pattern that helps us understand spiritual growth. And it repeats throughout our life. So if we go back to this, the, the chambered nautilus, just like you are, you're growing on an upward spiral, as if you're going around the mountain, say in a in a, a circle. Every time you pass by, you have new insights into what you're learning and growing. If we go back to this model here, the, the mountain, so all of us are on an ascending spiritual journey. And this pattern, as we go up, you kind of, uh, you burst through in a way to have new insights as you grow spiritually. Maybe something that you never noticed before suddenly becomes, ah, you see it in a new light, and you break through that next level. But every time you break through, the difficulty is, is that it, it, there's a moment of chaos. You have to let go of something in the past to grab onto the next thing in the future. And then, so you go through a moment of chaos, you're renewed in a way, and now you come out to be almost like a new creation. Uh, being able to see the world slightly different than you did before. So this is, that's, that's why the metaphor of the mountain and Mount Sinai is going to be so important. So, okay, hopefully you can see too, our baptism, and particularly in our tradition of adult baptism is so important. Because to make a decision to go through the baptismal waters, there is something that people experience coming out of the baptism. And it's often hard to explain, but you feel like you're a different person. Like something is renewed or restored or you're on a, 
a, a different path. And it's so, it's different for everybody, but it's the same. And that's such the important part of, we don't fully understand what baptism does, but as a sacrament, we know there's power in the sacrament of baptism. And the power moving forward in the community of believers having gone through a baptism. So, okay, I'm going to do this for the video. On, on the bottom of your page two, there is a, a footnote that I put. If you've never learned about Christian mysticism, to learn about the mystics, and this is right from the earliest church fathers forward, there's always been a strain of uh, Christian mysticism. Here's one reference that you may consider, an introduction to Christian mysticism, uh, Jason Baxter. So that would be to give you an idea of what, what the church has gone through in the past. And then if you want a more contemporary book that's simply about spiritual growth, the idea of your own growth and moving through different levels, or as this book calls them, stages, this is called The Critical Journey, Janet Hagberg and Rob, Robert Gulich. Now, Robert Gulich passed away. Janet Hagberg is still living in Minnesota. But The Critical Journey takes you on the journey of the different stages of faith and then talks about how people pass through them as well. So that might be something that you're interested, if you've never considered this, to at least you'd have a couple references to look at both the mystical side of Christianity and then your own spiritual growth and the journey that it takes you on. Okay. So the dividing of the waters, the Red Sea, much bigger than uh, simply a transition, although it is, obviously, it's a transformational space for the nation of Israel to go through that. But if we think about it in the, more, in the mystical realm, we can apply it to our own spiritual journey and how we move through these, these chaotic events as we're growing. And it's just part of the growth process. So that's our dividing of the waters for tonight. Let me end the slideshow here. Thanks for joining us under the fig tree for today's lesson. If you like this video, be sure to hit the like button below and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell to be notified every time I upload a new lesson. You can also check out more teachings here at our YouTube channel or at figtreeteaching.com and enjoy learning about the sweetness of God's words.